Hello and welcome to another episode of Faith in Flagler. My name is Brian McMillan, your host. I'm also the publisher and co-owner of the Observer Newspapers in Palm Coast and, and Ormond Beach. Thank you so much for joining me on this uh, next episode, which is part two of my conversation with Joe Campatella, pastor of Christian Life Center. Thank you for joining me once again, Man, Joe. it's good to be back. I enjoyed <laughs> our, our discussion so much, both Very, the podcast and the, and the recording. <laughs> That's right. So if you, if you uh, are listening to this on the radio, thank you so much. It's 9 o'clock every Sunday on WNZF. You can also download the Flagler Radio app and listen to this podcast in the podcast form along with like 20 other, I don't know how many exactly, but lots of local shows. Um, and then also I just this week or I recently put it on, uh, put faith in Flagler on Spotify and Apple podcasts. So you can do that. My, my friend told me that he, uh, listened to like the first four episodes in a row. So another way to, uh, binge faith, I guess. Um, <laughs> All right, so great. so Joe Campatella, I can't remember if I read the sponsors already. I don't think so. Thank you to Douglas Property and Development. Thank you to Big John's Appliances, and thank you so much for Stevenson Wilcox and Associates for believing in the mission of the show to because building faith strengthens our community. And uh, so, last episode we started talking about um, Luke two. We got through about seven verses. And we finished talking about the um, incredible irony, the reversal, the, the greatest reversal of any epic fantasy story you could imagine would be the, the king, the creator, being born into the most humiliating, horrible circumstances imaginable in a, in a barn, essentially, surrounded by animals because you're basically homeless for the night. And that kind of reversal is also brought to um, in in a Bible class that I was teaching actually the other day. We read Revelation five, which um, knowing you now, you could probably quote most of any chapter or verse that I come up with. Oh my lord, I doubt it. You you know it's true, um, but uh, in in verse five, Revelation five five, I have it here. Um, the the people are saying. They're, 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 they're weeping because there's no one there to open the book and the seven seals. And all. There's so much like, there's so much uh, symbolism and revelation that we won't get into because we're talking about Luke two today. But one of the elders says to John, the revelator, weep not behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book, the chosen one, right? That's what came to mind, you said that the lion, you know, he would become, he would, Jesus was the lamb and he was also the lion. Um, this was our off air discussion. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, anyway, we talked about that. Um, you should have been there. It was great. But the lion of the tribe of Judah is how he's described in revelation five, five. And go, again, then going back to Luke two. So why pastor Joe answer this question of the universe for me? Why would the God of the universe be born in the most humble circumstances imaginable? Great question. So first of all, I want to clarify in the, the, the syntax of what was said. I don't believe God was born. Hmm. I believe God has always existed. 
yet it was God in flesh. God took on the role of a man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's Paul talks about the contrast between the first Adam and the last Adam in First Corinthians 15. Mm-hmm. As in Adam, all die. Yes. By one man's sin, all were made sinners. By one man's righteousness, all were made righteous. And if you put the two in perspective, let's put the Garden of Eden next to the manger. Mm-hmm. Adam was created in the most incredible, pristine, germ-free, smell-free. <laughs> Plenty of fruit on every tree. Glorious. <laughs> like the most beautiful, lush, yeah. 72 degrees year-round <laughs> environment you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And he fell. He didn't have it. He fell mm. in that incredible environment. Jesus, the second Adam, or the last Adam, which is the second birth mm-hmm. of Adam, not that they were the same man, but the same principle applies, is born in disgusting unsanitary any doctor any nurse would come in there and say get this baby out of here first, instantly first step is let's get out of this let's get out of this manger right it's get a threat this. it's a yeah. it's a liability it's it's something that's horrible under those conditions and so to me this is an example of the second birth you know jesus said in john 3 except a man be born again mm-hmm. there's the first birth then there's the second birth and the second birth is not going to be pretty it's going to be something that takes you to a place of humility. You're going to have to get, mm. if you're going to be born again, you cannot come to that moment pretty. You're going to be just like our Savior was in a complete environment that's, it may seem even threatening to you. It may seem it's going to be opposing to the flesh, right? What the flesh desires. And when you're filled with this spirit, you're going to become like a babe. And it's it's a point of humility. It's a point of humility. The second birth that believers need to go through to be born again. Yes. And that that is where we need to be willing to go wherever it needs to be in the depth of our soul to realize that, you know, that's how much I need salvation. Buddy, that I think you nailed it because it's, it's a play, you know, I, I think the most offensive thing in the world to tell a human is you don't have what it takes. Yeah. You, you don't have it. And and we do not have what it takes to be saved on our own. We need a savior. That's offensive. We're both thinking yeah. people. We I mean we have Apple. It's the American dream. We're trying to we're trying to lift ourselves up. Self sufficient bootstraps. Yeah, that's great. Self sufficient. Uh, we we think through things. No, you're lost. And so to say you need a savior, and the only way to find that savior is to come as a child. And to come in humility, uh, that, that, that is, I like how you put it. You, you really have to be aware and acknowledge your need for God to get to that position. Mm-hmm. So we're in the manger or we're in the, we're outside the inn. And then meanwhile, across Bethlehem or just outside of Bethlehem, that bustling metropolis of Bethlehem, right? <laughs> um, there were in the same country shepherds biding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. What, what, I mean, again, you think about where would you go? Okay, the Messiah is about to be born, God in the flesh. And now we're turning our attention to, not to other kings. We started out with kings. We started out with an emperor. But we're staying in, we, in, in well, I should say, 
in verse in chapter two, it starts out with the Caesar Augustus. You know, we're talking about the political power of the of the uh, the world essentially, and yet we go down to the lowest of the low, and then we're going to kind of stay there because that's the other people that God was interacting with on that night. Mm. The shepherds across the way, they were just there at work doing the night shift. How many times have you felt like the ignored night shift worker? Um, I'm up last night. You know, we talked about laundry at the last episode. I realized at like 11 p.m. that I needed to go and do that laundry. You're and a I'm, much better I'm man tired. than I am. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to go do that laundry. I don't want to go switch the laundry. Um, and, All and, the husbands listening, <laughs> make sure you're taking notes right now. <laughs> Get up and do the laundry. Um, but the, these shepherds are, they're, they're in a, I imagine they're in, in a humble spot. You know, why are they chosen to receive what's about to receive an angel? And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. The glory of the Lord shows up around the shepherds. Why, why the shepherds? I mean, that's awesome. And, and again, we have a contrast that you have the beginning Augustus Caesar, then you have shepherds and going back to Paul, he said, you know, this is not revealed to many wise people, not many mighty people. It's revealed to the humble. It's revealed to the forgotten ones, as you said, the people that nobody would regard as any type of intellectual anything or rich anything. And and it is apt that it comes to shepherds, which is the paradigm yeah. or the template for our Messiah. The symbol of, of Jesus himself. Yeah. And the good, they're the good shepherd. The good shepherd. And and um they're out there, they're smelly. And this speaks to me as a pastor you know, keeping watch over the flock by night, you know, there's, you're going to have to keep that watch and, and be in that position. But the glory of the Lord shining to them, it's, it's the great, literally, this is the greatest moment in human history. And, and the entire world is changing. Just, you know, if you just look at the calendar, we're going from, uh, used to be BC to AD. Now it's CE to BCE, BCE yeah. before Common Era or Common Era, yeah. which no matter how they do it, it's still everything changed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the moment everything is changing, and the glory of the Lord from a different dimension, from a different world, which is actually reality. This is a reflection of that reality, mm-hmm. is opening on these simple, non-educated, most likely humble, smelly sheep surrounded men and God's revealing to them his plan and what's unfolding just a few, maybe hundred yards away. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I wonder how far away it really was. I guess we don't really know, but the, the shepherds again, you think about that nighttime thing. Like I wonder how many of those shepherds are kind of like, and this job just, there's no break. There's no break from this. I'm here at night. Yeah. Tending over these sheep, I mean, they're they're asleep. Like, why do I have to be out here? Because the wolf might come any right, moment or whatever. Right. But like, I need a vacation. Um, that's how probably a lot of people feel. And um, can God come to us? Can can we have the the glory of the Lord around us when we're feeling like that? Mm, 
That's a that's an awesome point because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, they're dutiful shepherds. They weren't at home, right? They they're were being, out in the sh- out in the uh, in the fields. Yeah, they're being faithful. They're they're going through the routine they've committed to. Yeah, and in that is when God revealed Himself. And to me, it it shows a pattern. And I hadn't thought about this until you mentioned it, but now I, I see it clearly that you know when Jesus came to Peter, what was Peter doing? Peter was fishing. Do, fishing. When yeah. he came to Matthew, Matthew was tax collecting. Um, he he interrupts people that are already busy mm. doing what they're supposed to be doing, and um, that's a that's a great point. These men, if they had taken a break and decided to skip their job that night and go take the easy route, they would have missed it. Does God um, does God value someone doing their duty? Even if it's not, I mean, it's it's just it's just a job, you know. It's not like they're out there saving souls necessarily. Although you know, they're keeping track, keeping watch over their flock, like keeping watch over his creations. Um, so maybe they're getting some kind of credit for that, or something, I don't know, something like that. But. I I think so, and I'm I'm keep going back to Paul. You know, Paul said, when you're serving your master or doing your job, it's as unto the Lord. It says unto the Lord. And so God values that when you're, when you commit to something that you do it as unto the Lord. Uh, It seems like there, so many people kind of struggle with their jobs. You know, I don't like my job. I I feel underpaid in my job. Um, and that, that's a really hard spot to be in. It really affects your mood a lot. Um, just kind of makes you unhappy, but I wonder how we can try to think of our jobs more as, something that we're doing unto the Lord, yeah. no matter what it would be. Um, yep. That's, that's a, that's a hard thing to keep conscious of. I would, I would think Brian, that that's a something you'll have to pray about. And really when you study the scriptures, Paul mentions it several times, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, because, you know, Psalms 104 talks about how the, all, all creation waits upon God, and God gives them their meat in due season. So your job is actually God's hand providing you, providing for you. Mm-hmm. It's actually God. And, and of course, unless you're, you know, breaking scriptures by doing your job or breaking commandments by doing your job, yeah. it's God providing for you. And the angel said unto them, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Mm. For unto you, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. And this is really interesting to me. How, what, what would, out of all the signs you could imagine, this is the sign that the Savior, the Christ, the Anointed One, the one that these shepherds themselves, I'm sure, they were, I mean, maybe they were chosen because of their own faith. Um, they may they must have been devout to go and want to follow the angel. That's a good point. <clears throat> but yeah, they didn't go away and they they followed the angel. That's exactly right. They were afraid. It says in verse nine, they were sore afraid. But when the angel says, "Fear not," they must have been able to overcome their fear. Which is way. a repeated phrase by every angel that's ever appeared to anyone. <laughs> fear not. Fear not. Fear must not. Must be pretty scary to see an angel. I've never seen one myself. But um, this shall be a sign unto you. All right, let's hear the sign. This is this should be good. Like. What sign would we know that the Savior has been born out of everybody? And what, is it, what does he say? You shall find the babe, a baby, 
wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. How shocked must they have been? Like, wait, what? I don't understand. Did mm. you just say that the sign would be that we would find a baby? I mean, they must have been kind of confused. That's a great point. And, and this is the challenge of the Jewish nation, yeah. the entire ministry and life of Jesus Christ. They thought their Messiah would be different than how he came. Mm-hmm. They, and repeatedly, even his own brethren, at the end of the book of John, they said, look, what are you doing hiding if you're really the Messiah and you want to be known, go show yourself for no man seeks to be known openly and hides himself for even his brethren didn't believe in him. Mm-hmm. So, so why did they crucify their Messiah? Because their Messiah did not appear to them like they thought their Messiah should. Jesus went contrary to their belief, even though it lined up perfectly with every prophecy in the old Testament. Yeah. He came in humility and not in glory. So, do we, I mean, do, do Christians fall into that same kind of, um, same kind of question? Like, well, I don't want to do that. That's, that's humiliating. Well, that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus did. He was willing to be humiliated in a sense of coming into these humiliating circumstances. Mm. Um, I don't want to go and try to, you know, talk to my, Talk to the homeless, that homeless guy on the street. That's kind of like beneath me. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Or, you know, I don't want to give my own hard earned money to someone else in need because they don't really deserve my money. I mean, I earned this money or, you know, whatever. But like, I mean, Jesus was the epitome of um, selflessness and humble circumstances as, as shown in the, in the birth story. So do we sometimes say, or are we looking at the wrong kind of Jesus? Like I'm looking for the Jesus that makes my life easy and happy. Yeah. And wealthy. Yeah. And wealthy. Yeah. That's a, that's a powerful point. Probably we see this played out in, in the apostles lives. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, you know, the apostles, they rarely went through more than any other humans on earth. Yeah, they were. Uh, Paul Paul talked about this again. He said, "We're hated of all. Um, we've been rejected of all, persecuted, but not abandoned. Cast down, not destroyed. On and on. We're we're poor, but we're rich. Um, yeah, that's a. You know, we we say we all want to be like Jesus. Well, really, do you really want to be like Jesus? How much? Of, how much of do Jesus you want, do you want to be like? You want that much persecution? Do you want to be? Uh, you want to be homeless? Yeah, have no nowhere to lay your head. Um. So yeah, it, uh, which, which kind of Jesus are we looking for? Are we sometimes missing the mark? Hmm. Um. He he. Uh, the angels also. The angel said, "Um, I bring you good tidings of great joy." Yes. Is that what the gospel is all about? Mm. Yes. Can we, <laughs> do we get the wrong idea of that sometimes? Like we're, we, in the last episode, we we're talking about sin, trying to avoid sin. That doesn't sound too joyful. Uh, I think sometimes that feels like a contradiction. So what, what do you, what, what would you say if it's like, man, church is kind of just like a downer to me. It's always telling me I got to change, do something different. You know, I want to be me and I want to have joy and live my best life. But why does that mean? That means I have to give up these things that I, that I, I like to do. Wow. Well, you know, what's happening with the birth of Jesus is a reconnection 
of what was lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? What was lost? The connection between God and man. And and Psalms 16:11 says, uh, I will show you the path of life. In his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So when sin came, the veil dropped, right? You have the veil between man and the holiest of holies, the presence of God. Adam walked freely in it without sin. And yet when Jesus died, the Bible says, when he said it is finished, the veil of the temple rent in twain because what was lost was now made available again to the world. So when they say we bring you great tidings of great joy, you're about to be reconnected to the joy of the presence of the Lord that hasn't been experienced since it was lost in the beginning through salvation, through the blood of Jesus making that atonement for us. Man, I get excited just talking about that. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> and these these shepherds, just like Mary and Joseph, in extremely diff, you know humble circumstances, they can have that joy despite their poverty. That's what. That's the spiritual reality, right? We can have that joy no matter what our other circumstances are. This is part of the proof of that. You could have Mary and Joseph. I'm sure felt overwhelmed holding the savior of the world in their arms, you know, and it was in the most horrible circumstances. Mm. So when I'm going about my day, my job, you know, this happens that, you know, car rear ends me or, you know, all, all these bad things that can happen. Like the sale doesn't go through, you know, my, my, my son is sick or my, you know, all these different problems. My loved one has dementia or, I mean, all these really, really stressful, horrible things. Um, how do we turn ourselves back to this moment and say, this is about good tidings and great joy, which shall be to all people in the midst of those, in the midst of circumstances. Yeah. You know, there's a scripture that comes to mind, Hebrews 12 and two, it says for the joy that was set before him, he He endured endured the the cross. cross. Yeah. And, and I've always looked at that. You know, the Bible says David danced before the Lord. Mm -hmm. He did it in front of the Lord. Um, and, and when it says the joy that was set before him, there is a sense of the joy that's coming, right? Yeah, the future joy. The of, future joy. Yeah. But but he also had joy in that moment, which is difficult for us to understand. Right before he died, he said, my joy I give, my peace I give. Mm-hmm. How can you have joy on the cross? Because joy is not a function of your current circumstance. Joy is a function of your spiritual alignment with God. He had joy on the cross, and that's what got him through the pain of the cross. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing. It just kind of shows that there's really there are these two realities that were that it, one the physical reality of the world around us can be so distracting and all consuming that we sometimes forget about or lose touch with, um, and therefore are spiritually disconnected, and that's what is causing the joy to sometimes feel elusive. And that's something, Brian, it's a, it's a paradox because it's the season to be jolly. <laughs> it's the season where we're <laughs> celebrating the birth of Jesus. Yet it's also the season of the highest levels of depression all year long. Mm. And, and we, we just exactly what you just said. We kind of get distracted from the actual point of this, which is the joy of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm, that's so great. The angels 
um, the heavenly host. We're not getting through Luke chapter no, two, by not. the way. We're, we're on, on verse 14. <laughs> the angel, the heavenly host is praising God saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Um, so yeah, we're almost out of time here. Um, but Luke two, um, the good news is that most people have access to read the rest of it on their own. Yes, they do. They <laughs> sure do. Um, and, so, and experience it. Yes. So um, let, let's, uh, this is a great time of year to dive in and really think through um, the, the word and to, to think about what we can do to bring good, you know, to spread that, those good tidings of great joy to other people. Um, Joe Campatella, thank you so much for Man, being it's, my, it's been a wonderful pleasure being my guest two episodes in a row. Um, pastor of Christian life center on Belter Parkway. So go check it out. And, uh, thanks again to Douglas property and development, Stevenson Wilcox and associates and big John's appliances. We'll see you next week on faith and flagler.